0: Welcome to Real Stories MKE, brought to you as part of X-Fabula's work
1: to connect Milwaukee through Real Stories. I'm Kim Shine. And I'm Joel Dreesang. X-Fabula believes that everyone has personal stories worth sharing. We coach storytelling workshops where community members can build their storytelling skills and confidence. And we host story slams where true stories are shared on stage. Today, we're bringing you three of those powerful stories.
0: And our theme this episode is comfort zones. And I got to tell you Joel, I actually I knew what I was going to say. Um you know like skydiving all that stuff. That's not cool. That's that's way out of my comfort okay, zone. I don't okay. want to be pushed out of anything, <laughs> including my comfort zone. But I actually I want to say that oh my gosh, I will tell you when I go to certain engagements or parties or something I have to, like, mentally put myself in the right space. Sure. Because it's outside of my comfort zone. And I and I, sometimes I don't even know. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, who's there? Yeah.
1: All right. What's your story? Well, um, I was thinking about this, and we're going to hear from a storyteller later who talks about moving to a different country to start graduate school. And yeah. I did that. And that was really putting myself out of my comfort zone. But I learned through that that um, it takes some effort yeah, um, and some bravery on, on my part, but I, I can usually find people and groups who will welcome me and help me fit in, help me feel f- that like I fit in. And I learned a lot from that. I, I, you know, Ever since then, I've sort of reminded myself that when I'm entering that situation, mm-hmm. that I can find somebody.
0: That's nice. Should we get to our stories? Let's please. All right. Well, our first comfort zone story comes from Dr. Leah Knox. She shared this story at our I Decided Story Slam in January of 2022. Here's Dr. Knox. Good evening,
2: everybody. Thank you so much for having me. And I'll start my story. So one day, there was these two magnificent, handsome, young, but really wise uh, men. They came to me, Dr. Knox, Dr. Knox, Dr. Knox, listen, we want to give group therapy to all of Milwaukee. And I was like, wait, 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 wait we can't do that. Number one, it's unethical. Number two, we can't possibly treat all the Milwaukee. They were like, well, we got to do something. There's so many problems. There's things going on. Darius, I've been protesting and I'm really, really tired. I don't want to do it anymore. And it's just a lot. Our people need our help. The black and brown communities need our help and they need therapy. Also, Corey, You know what, Dr. Knox, you know, you helped me a lot. And so I've been telling everybody they need to go to therapy and they all need to see you. I'm like, you know what? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. However, no, we can't do that. But what we can do is offer group therapeutic experiences. They were like, well, all right, all right. And I'm like, but wait a minute. I just want to let you know this is going to be huge. You guys are geniuses whatever, whatever, Dr. Knox, let's just do it. But one thing, we wanna offer it all for free. And I'm like, okay, we can do that. But the other caveat is it has to be offered to our black and brown communities in beautiful and safe spaces, beautiful spaces. The reason why it needs to be in beautiful spaces because it's dear to my heart. When I was growing up, all of you that are from Milwaukee, and know the north side and west side of Milwaukee. I grew up in Hillside, Lapham Park, Lisbon Square, 22nd and Center, 27th and Galena, Um, a lot of government assisted um, housing complexes, AKA the projects for those of us who live there. In those facilities, people didn't have a lot of beauty. It was not a place where you would say, oh my God, look at these beautiful trees, these beautiful homes, it's just glorious here. However, it was beautiful because the people there were beautiful, it was filled with love, it was filled with such a home. People took care of each other made sure you were safe and loved. My mom, a single parent, my brother was a year younger than me. They called us the Irish twins because we looked alike and we were about the same height. A lot of times us and our neighbors had to make sure that we were okay. At Hillside and Apple Park, we lived across the street, um, across the highway from places where it smelled so good. And so you remember when we were growing up and our parents were not the type of parents where when we got a little sick or there was snow on the ground, got a chance to stay home from school. Absolutely not. You had to be on your deathbed, chat it up and raise your hand if that was you. So when I finally did get sick, I got to go to grandma's house. Grandma lived just a little bit away, but still in Lapham Park in Lisbon Square. So we went to Grandma's house. My grandma was so beautiful. She had this long black hair, these emerald green eyes, this smooth skin. And she would open the door and my mom would take the city bus over there and we'd be in tote. And she'd say, come on in, babies. And she'd open the door and it would smell like beef stew, chicken noodle soup, tea. And her caftan, who knows what the caftan is? It's a muumu, so they call it, but my grandma would kill me if she was here today. So it was a caftan, and she smelled like beautiful, heaven-sent perfume, and she said, come on in, and we'd go in with her, and her caftan would be trailing her, and we'd be trailing the caftan, and she'd sit down, and she'd feed us wonderful food, because generally we got sick at the same time she'd be watching those are the days of our lives and the wind would be blowing in because my grandma always believed in fresh air and so the curtains would be blowing and they were sheer white and it would smell like across the street the wonder bread factory and the ambrosia chocolate factory and those smells together were beautiful and at noon she would have high tea no we weren't from england but you thought we were and she'd have four drops of those sugar cubes and we just look at her glistening in the sun and then it was time for us to go to bed because we were sick and the next day perhaps we'd be able to stay there if we were too sick if not my mom would come get us on the bus and take us home but in those spaces it was beautiful and she treated us so warm and our bellies were so filled and I was in such a good mood and at times she tell us stories and make us feel so wonderful Sometimes I'd even fake to be sick just to go to her house to get well. Black space is this place where it's beautiful and you go in and you feel so much better and it's safe and your belly gets filled and your mind becomes warm and safe and comfortable. And when you come to black space, it's beautiful. I facilitate the groups. I'm going to make sure I'm beautiful. The space is going to fill with plants and beautiful decorations because it's beautiful. When I open that door, I might not have on a caftan, but I promise you this, I'm going to look good for you because Black and brown people are worth it. I decided Black space because this is what we deserve. That's why I decided Black space.
1: You know, I really I enjoyed that story when I first heard it, when when she first uh, told it.
0: And, and isn't her voice so calming? Oh my
1: gosh, yes. And and uh, she's just so captivating. And it was a nice story because she got into personal things too, and you just it just really you know brings you in and, and helps you feel comforting. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Dr. Knox, um, we don't have an update from her, but just a little bit more about black space. So they're at the Milwaukee Art Museum. They have a partnership. And I know that they did some um, classes and some some group sessions in March. But just for folks who are interested in the future ones that they do, they welcome all BIPOC women, men, and LGBTQIA individuals. And all events are free. But you do have to register in advance. It's, uh, it's encouraged
1: to do so at least. That's a great service. Mm-hmm. Our next Comfort Zones story comes from Melanie Kaplan. She shared this story at our Deaf Stories Project Story Slam in 2022. Melanie told this story in American Sign Language, so the voice you'll hear is the interpreter from Professional Interpreting Enterprise. The interpreter translates Melanie's story into spoken English. If you want to see the story told in ASL, you can check it out on the X Fabula YouTube channel. But now, through her translator, here's Melanie.
3: Hello, everybody. My name is Melanie, and I want to tell you a little bit about a struggle that I've had and finding my identity and deciding who I really am. I was born entirely deaf. I couldn't hear a thing, and when I was about the age of one, I started to gain some of that hearing back, and I could hear a little bit, and I was which you would consider hard of hearing. I could hear some noises. I could hear that people were talking. Uh, Mom did use sign language with me, but she could use her voice. Uh, Most of my um, early years, my education, I was at um, a couple of schools. I was in what you'd call a mainstream environment. That means it's all a bunch of people who can hear, and then some people who are deaf are participate in that school, and we're mainstreamed. We're in the school and the program all together, all the classes. Is everybody in the back there? Have you been to mainstream back there? <laughs> Do you know what that means? So, and then there's the environment that I experienced where I was the one and only deaf person in a group with a bunch of students who could hear. And they had their interaction, but I was the lone deaf and I was kind of left out. I wasn't really a part of the school, a part of the kids and the growing up. I mean, when I look back on the experience that I had, it really is upsetting and settling and very frustrating. The struggles that I experienced going to school, trying to get somebody to understand who I was and feeling like I was constantly running into a brick wall, that people just didn't get me. When I was about 12 years old, I had an amazing moment they, I saw some kids, and they were deaf, and they were using sign language. And I was like, hey, what's up over there? And I'm like, what are they doing? So um, they said that they were practicing for a drama that they were going to be doing. It was a deaf kids drama group. I thought, what? Are you kidding? I want it. I want to be, I want to join. I am so, oh my gosh, I am so excited. (gasps) Those are my people. That is my community. And I, group of people that I could fit with. So the next time they had a drama, I was right in the front line going, yep, yep, I want to be in here. I practiced, I participated, I was thrilled to be involved in this environment. I, I mean, it was just a great, great opportunity. And they got me. And I just really felt for the very first time in my life that they saw me. They knew who I was they could understand me. And it was just this wonderful experience. At the same time that I was in that drama, the movie um, with Marley Matlin, called A Children of a Lesser God, was released. And she won an Academy Award for that. And to see that, and here was this deaf woman winning an award, and I thought, oh, that could be me. That could be me. I want to be that to be me. So I was just thrilled about thinking about this opportunity. Now, there were a lot of different um, local theaters within the area. They did different productions of Children of a Lesser God. And I would audition for each and every one of those. And I traveled around all over the states involved in some of these professional um, plays. And I really felt at home on the stage and with this group of people. And this was when I was in high school. I missed a lot of school, but I was out traveling and performing, and I loved it. I mean, sometimes we'd be in Vermont and Texas and just all over the place. But I really felt like this was, my, this was a place that I belonged. But I knew that who I was inside wasn't, real, wasn't settled yet. I, am, I, am I a deaf person? Am I a hard-hearing person? And well who am I? And I felt like I was really frustrated with a lot of the people that I interacted with that they didn't really understand who I was. When I was on stage, absolutely. But when I was in my regular everyday life, not so much. I graduated from high school and went to the University of Illinois, Champaign, Illinois. And they, I signed up for their um, theater program, and I had to be auditioned for the program, and I was accepted. However, it was on a probationary period. They wanted to see how well I would do. And they said that I needed to participate in speech training to be involved in their program. And I was like, okay, you guys know best, you're the professionals, all right. And I thought, hmm, I, I'm not hearing, though. But all right. So the first semester of school, I loved this class and this teacher. It was great. They taught us so much. We talked about meditation. We talked about imagery. um, Talked about creating things in your brain and that you could use on stage. And I learned a lot from this teacher. But she still didn't really see me for who I was. She was focused on my ear and my mouth. Can I hear and can I speak? That was all that she thought about me. So second semester, we were teaching about uh, taking a class which was talking about movement. How you use your body when you're acting, smelling, using all your senses, and getting in touch with your body, practicing, like recognizing the scent of things and how you can incorporate that into your work. And one of the lessons they talked about sound. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, feeling a little anxious about how, what this is going to look like. So they passed out blindfolds for everybody. And I was thinking to myself, do you seriously want me to put a blindfold on? You know that I can't hear. I mean, I couldn't hear. And then adding a blindfold to me made me very, feel very sensory deprived. I had no sight, no vision. I mean, the other students in class had the ability to hear, and so they had other senses that they could work with. But I didn't really feel like I I could do that. I was kind of being um, singled out. I wanted to approach the teacher and talk to her and explain where I was coming from. You know that I'm a deaf person, and you know how hard this is to ask me to cover my eyes. But I didn't. I thought, I'm going to follow along, so I put the blindfold on, and I was terrified. I was terrified because I did have a sign language interpreter, and I asked them to come over and kind of like help me, lead me around or get me kind of situated in space. And I thought I got to where I was, which, which I was supposed to, and I took the blindfold off, and I was like, great. I did what I was supposed to. And I thought, all right. The next day, they had the class. We sat in two rows of chairs facing each other, and the students were all blindfolded. And the teacher had uh, something that she would throw on the floor, and we had to listen to where it landed, and then go and grab that item. And I'm thinking to myself, seriously, again, I'm deaf. You're going to drop this item on the floor, and I'm supposed to go grab it, but I can't hear where it lands. Didn't want to make a fuss, so I put the blindfold on. And the teacher tapped my shoulder as, you're the person that has to go out and try to find that. And I tried to grab the teacher's arm to say, no, 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 I can't. but. I didn't, so I went around and kind of crawling around trying to find the item that she threw on the floor. And what part of the game was is you were supposed to be able to grab the item off the floor, tap the other person, and then sit in their chair. And the other person grabbed the item, it was kind of a bar that she put on the floor and then tapped me on the shoulder and they won. And then they did it again and she, I was thinking to myself, F you, you motherfucker. I mean, really, are you serious? You picked me again for this game. So I thought, you know, I'm not one to give up. I'm going to be stubborn. So I just walked across. I didn't even try to grab the item on the floor, floor, found the chair that was vacant, and sat down and thought, you. So in my mind, I didn't say it out loud. I didn't say it, but I thought it in my mind. Screw you, lady. I was pretty proud of myself. And the other students came up to me and said, you can't hear, why did she expect you to do that? She picked you two times. And the other students, she didn't pick at all. But she picked me, I was the only one that she selected for this activity twice. And that is actually the first time that I really advocated for myself as a deaf person. So now, very interesting. Um, About a week later, a colleague thought uh, one of the other fellow students came to me and said that the t- she'd heard that the teacher thought that I had cheated in this activity and I was thinking are you kidding F- you lady <laughs>
0: <laughs> Melanie's story was uh, a good point like she said about advocating for yourself yes um, but I still didn't I still didn't get what why the teacher did that yeah, yeah.
1: it was the, it was just so maddening to hear What's going on there? But but good for Melanie to, to stick up for herself and to share that story, you know, just to share her experience that way. Mm-hmm. And again, if you want to see Melanie tell that story in ASL, go to the X Fabula YouTube channel.
0: Our final comfort zone story comes from Alejandra Jimenez. She shared this story at Cor El Centro's 25th anniversary celebration. XTABULA's storytelling coaches worked with the tellers prior to the event, served as MCs in English and in Spanish, and coordinated audience ultra shorts. Here's Alejandra.
4: Hola, buenas noches. Me, mi nombre es Alejandra Jiménez, o Ale, como muchos me conocen. Hi, hello everyone. My name is Alejandra Jiménez, as a lo, and, or Ale, as a lot of you know me. Me han dicho que eran 200 personas, pero mis ojos y mis matemáticas me dicen que son mil personas. <laughs> uh,
5: so I was told there are going to be about 200 people, but my eyes and my math skills tell me there's like a
4: thousand of you. Gracias a Corel Centro por la invitación y gracias a ustedes, espero que les guste mi historia. Thanks to Core for the invitation and thank you all and I hope you enjoy my story. Um, bueno, yo llegué a Estados Unidos en el 2010 para realizar mi maestría en educación y solo venía por 2 años. I came to the United States in 2010 to do
5: a master's degree in education and my plan was to stay for just 2 years.
4: Cuando terminé mi maestría, una oportunidad de trabajar en el Urban Ecology Center como educadora ambiental resultó y la tomé, por supuesto.
5: Uh,
4: when I had just finished my program, an opportunity to teach at Urban
5: Ecology Center opened up, and so of course I took it.
4: En ese tiempo, mi visión era, bueno, voy a estar poco tiempo, tengo que explorar, conocer amigos, amigas, fiestas. Y estudiar y trabajar, claro, ¿no? Uh,
5: my plan had been that I'd finish school. It was time to party. It was time to explore. It was time to get rowdy. <laughs> and, uh, of course, that was what I planned to do.
4: Y bueno, en un abrir y cerrar de ojos, me casé, tuve hijos, tuve trabajo, tuve una casa, y aquí llevo casi 13 años. Uh, But then I got married, and
5: I had kids, and I have my job, and I bought a house, and now here I am 13 years later.
4: Y bueno, la visión de fiestas cambió, ya no era fiesta, ahora era echar raíces y crear una familia. So the plan to party was no longer
5: uh, on the table, and really my effort has been to um, put my roots down.
4: Y bueno, um, en estos años he creado muchas comunidades, y todos me han abierto las puertas, me han abrazado y dado mucho amor. And since I've been here, I've
5: been a part of many communities, and they've received me well and, and met me with a lot of love.
4: Y la comunidad de Coral Centro tiene algo especial para mí. And the community at Coral Central is especially important for me. Esto especial es que tengo un pequeño México dentro de Milwaukee. It's special because it's like having a little Mexico right here in Milwaukee. Es un tesoro, un secreto para mí, que bueno, ya todos lo saben. Uh, it's a treasure, it's a secret that not everybody knows. <laughs> um, ahora yo soy la maestra de folklore mexicano en Coral Centro para niños. Right now I'm teaching um, children's folkloric dancing at Coral Centro. <laughs> <laughs> Y bueno, esto me ha dado la oportunidad de no solamente alimentarme a mí, mi alma, sino también a niños latinos y mexicanos, sobre todo. Y es una oportunidad
5: no solo para mí
4: to get my soul fed, sino también para share with
5: Latino y, especialmente, Mexican children here in Milwaukee.
4: Y no solo es, bueno, cuando digo alimentar el alma, no solo es escuchar la música y mover los pies. And when I say feed my soul, I don't just
5: mean listen to music and move my feet.
4: En la clase aprendemos lo que es geografía, cultura, tradición, historia.
5: In the class we learn about geography, culture, history. Cultura.
4: And culture.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I counted there there is four.
4: <laughs> y esto es lo que me llena a mi el alma. Escuchar una música De México me hace sentir mi piel chinita.
5: And this is part of what feeds my soul. Hearing a song
4: from Mexico just makes me feel so great Por eso digo que coral centro es el core de mi cuerpo.: uh, This is one of the reasons why Coral centro is the core of my body. Porque me da salud mental, me da uh, felicidad, me da salud física. It gives me mental health, it gives me physical
5: health, it gives me mental health. Body. Body
4: health. I said physical health, <laughs> mental health. Everything. Everything. <laughs> Todo. <laughs> um, y no solo es para mí, también tengo unos niños de 6 8 años. And it's not just for me, I have two kids who are 6 and 8. Ellos son americanos, nacidos en Milwaukee they are Americans growing up here in Milwaukee. Pero su madre, o sea, yo. <laughs> but their mother, that is me. Está orgullosa de ser mexicana y quiere que también ellos estén orgullosos de tener raíces mexicanas.
5: Is very proud of being mexican and wants her children to be proud of being mexican
4: as well. Es para mí una herencia para ellos y para todos los niños que viven en Milwaukee que no tienen la oportunidad de ir a México.
5: It's for the legacy of children that are growing up here, for them and
4: for all children growing up here in Milwaukee. Así es que le agradezco mucho a Core por permitir ese espacio para mí y para la cultura mexicana y e hispana.
5: And so it's thanks to Core for providing this space for me and for Mexicans and for all Latino people.
4: Y también la cultura mexicana y todas las culturas que están interesados en el folclor mexicano y las tradiciones mexicanas and
5: for all people who are interested in traditional mexican dance and all uh, mexican
4: and hispanic cultures y bueno también um, le llamo al cor el ponchi paquete
5: i also opened at core something called uh, the ponchi paquete
4: ponchi paquete in mexico is un regalo que tiene adentro muchas sorpresas ponchi paquete is something in mexico
5: it's a present that has a bunch of, of little things inside
4: Uno de estos regalos es esto, el folclor mexicano, la clase de folclor mexicano.
5: One of those gifts is this class of Mexican folkloric dance.
4: Y hay más que me ha dado que lo pueden leer en el newsletter.
5: And there are others that you can't read about in the newsletter. Muchas gracias. Thank you.
0: A lot of our stories have been about moving and how we kind of resettle into finding our comfort zone. So I love the fact that Alejandra was willing to share hers. And even though, you know, there was like no conflict or anything like that, if you've ever felt out of place, I think it could draw you in.
1: Yes, So, Kim, our core work with Corel Centro is an example of how XFabula can customize storytelling workshops and experiences for organizations in southeastern Wisconsin. If you're interested in working with us, check out our website at XFabula.org and click on Collaborate.
0: Such a good word, because XFabula is making select public story slams accessible to Spanish speakers by offering simultaneous interpretation from English to Spanish using headsets. We welcome storytellers to tell their stories in Spanish as well. More details are available at xfabula.org. And unfortunately, Joel, we are out of time. Oh, no. Oh, no is right. Uh. But y'all know, we have been doing this since 2009, so there's more audio and video stories available
1: on our website. And that's at xfabula.org And our website lists upcoming storytelling workshops and story slams. We hope you'll join us at an event and maybe even share one of your stories. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Yeah, and we always thank everybody who is making this program possible, which includes the ex-Fabulous staff, our fabulous storytellers, producer Lauren Instanez and audio engineer Sam Woods. We also would like to give some appreciation to our partner on the show, 89.7 WUWM.
1: Milwaukee's NPR. For Real Stories MKE, I'm Joel Dreesang. And
0: I'm Kim Shine. Thank you guys so much for listening. And please consider telling your own story, too.